Good morning, my friends. Officially, I guess good morning again. Uh, today is the Sunday in the church year that um, invites us to remember. It's after Easter, so we, 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 we've finished up our Easter series and our Easter uh, season last week, but now we're invited to remember Christ's Jesus ascension. Uh, this kind of starts for us a like three-week mystery. It's like three mysteries in a week that we'll explore. Uh, this comes right after Easter, which is today Ascension Sunday, next week Pentecost Sunday, which we'll also celebrate confirmation with our kids, and then the next week's Trinity Sunday. So three kind of mysterious things that were um, mysteries of our faith that we're exploring. Uh, but today, we celebrate uh, Ascension Sunday, and, and Christ's ascension is a truly, if you really dig down and think about it, it's, it's, it's truly a serendipitous wraparound to what began this whole church year in the end of November with Advent. Um, it brings us full circle back to that Advent Christmas season, right? Because we're talking Christmas about Emmanuel, literally meaning God with us. Um, the word made flesh, as we read in, in John's gospel. So, so, through, so when, we started ad, I mean, when we started Christmas season, really, we started looking at Jesus as an infant and a toddler, and then Jesus as a young boy when he went into Jerusalem, a, a teenager, then a young adult, carpenter as an adult. Then all of a sudden we start focusing on Christ as this traveling rabbi, performing miracles and, 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 and eventually getting to... Uh, Savior and, and Resurrector of, of life. And so we've got today the, the eternal Christ, God as the eternal Christ, in the body of the person from Nazareth, the man from Nazareth, today is now ascending back, back to the Father, only this time in his resurrected body. Seated at that rightful place, the same place he was before taking on human flesh. Now we see him ascending to the heavens as mediator and intercessor for his entire creation. And sending the Spirit to fill the cosmos through us. This is where we're going then next week into Pentecost. So let's pray and then we're going to dig into uh, the book of Acts this morning, the, the first chapter of the book of Acts. Father Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit as we wrapped up Eastertide last week and we launched into this kind of trifecta of, of, of mysteries of the faith. Oh God, could you give us new eyes in which to see these mysteries? That although they are slightly hidden, they are, they are veiled to a certain extent on this side of eternity, would you give us the eyes in which to read your word, to study your word, to look through your word and try to dig through these mysteries so that way we can grow closer in our relationship with you. Would you give us new ears in which to hear, new hands and feet in which to engage the world this week. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so if you're going to be following along, like actually following along in a, in a Bible, uh, we're going to be spending our time in Luke's second book. Uh, so basically Luke, the author Luke, he wrote two books. He wrote the book of Luke, <laughs> the gospel according to Luke, which was his investigative work into the things concerning Jesus, Jesus. Uh, if you didn't know, Luke was not actually there during these things of Jesus. Luke was, in fact, investigating. He was doing research, most likely for a man that he mentions in both chapter 1 of Luke and in Acts. There's a guy named Theophilus. Uh, he calls him a nobleman. He uh, was a 
uh, distinguished Roman of high rank. That's really what he's saying when he's, when he, when he's calling him the most you know, noble uh, Theophilus. And so most likely Luke was given money, was funded, asked by this guy Theophilus to investigate what, what are they talking about over there with this Jesus guy. This Jesus guy now has come into all these things. He's died. He's, supposedly he rose. And now he's not here anymore, but can you go investigate it? So then Luke writes an entire book investigating um, the things of Jesus. Who knows? Maybe he interviewed Mary, Jesus' mother. That's how he knows all those things in the first couple uh, chapters. Uh, so he's interviewing uh, probably a lot of the apostles, disciples that were there. And then he writes 24 books about the things he says concerning the Christ, concerning Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He's the one that then continued. And then now we even see him inserted into the story of Acts. And so that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. Where again, he still is investigating these things. And this is a parallel of Luke 24. He writes some of the same stuff in Luke 24. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 this morning, if you're following along. And we're going to start right in the beginning. And you'll see exactly what I was talking about, this parallel from Luke 1 to Acts 1 here. Where he says, truly, O Theophilus. Okay? He's writing to the same guy now. Okay? I have. So I'm writing to you, O Theophilus. And he says, the first logo, the first word that I formed, the one concerning all the things which Jesus began both to form, to produce, and to teach. I investigated all these things as far as until the day he was taken up, which is what we're celebrating today, having taken up. He goes, having given charge... This is really like he's really talking here about reaching the, the consummation, the end result now here of what Jesus was doing. So having taken char given charge now to the apostles, to the ones sent on a mission, whom he had selected through the pneumatos agio. That's that same sacred, holy, set-apart spirit, wind, and breath we've been talking about this whole Easter season. And Luke continues, he says, to whom the apostles, right, still talking about the apostles, also he, Jesus, Jesus, placed himself close beside. And if you notice, this is that same word we used last week with encouragement, with standing close beside someone. So it's, he, he's saying here that Jesus placed himself close beside as being alive after his suffering, right? So after he would, had suffered on the cross. He did this by many sure signs, during 40 days, appearing by them, and again, it's that word for logos, but legon, saying the things about the basileos tothio, the kingdom of, of God. And he continues, and being assembled together, so he's talking about when they were assembled together during these 40 days, he, Jesus, transmitted a message to them, instructed them not to separate not to divide or depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the summons or the promise of the Patros, Patros being the Father. And then these are Jesus' words that Luke records here from his investigation. Jesus says, That which you've heard of me, all these things you've heard of me, especially the things concerning Oanos, which is John the baptizer, he truly a baptizen, he truly submerged as to clean you with water. However, you will be submerged as to clean, baptizeste, you will be submerged as to clean, but this time with, and here's that word again, the pneumati agio, that holy, sacred, or set-apart spirit. 
This will happen not after many of these days. This will happen soon is what he's talking about, which is if you look ahead to next week, he's promising the spirit on Pentecost Sunday for next week. All right, so we're still in, we're still in Luke chapter, uh, still in Acts. I don't have numbers next to mine, so I don't know what verse we're in. Um, but he does continue, and he says, Therefore, those truly, now this is Luke writing now, this is not Jesus speaking, but therefore those truly having assembled together, so the same time we're asking him, they're saying, Curie, Lord, Master, at this time are you restoring? At this time are you giving back the kingdom to Israel? See, they, they, they still were in this kind of earthly power pull dynamic where they, they really still thought Jesus was going to actually give them Israel back and take the power away from the Romans. They, they still were quite confused as to what this whole Basileia, uh, the kingdom of God, was, was, was actually about. So Jesus says, well, he goes, you know what? It's not yours. Uh, Jesus says, it is not yours to come to know, to perceive the times or the seasons, the right moment, which the patre, the father, put in place by his own power to act. He's saying, it's not up to you to know this. The father's got this, 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 this power to act as creator, as divine architect and author of all we know. God's got this. Just chill out a bit and, and just wait, wait. But you're not gonna have to wait long because this is what he says. He goes, on the other hand, you will receive, you'll take power, you notice how they said they wanted to take power in that kind of way. But now Jesus is saying it's going to be power, but it's going to be different. You'll receive or take power when having come upon you is that agio thematos, that holy, sacred, set-apart spirit. And he says you will exist then, you'll be for me martyrs, martyrs or witnesses in both Jerusalem and in all of the Judea province, and in Samaria, and to the eschatu. This is the furthest extreme, the last ends, literally the eschatological ends of this physical earth. Okay, Eschatological, this is, is, is things concerning the, the, the end times, or the furthest you can possibly go. We kind of talked about it in Hebrew this year, as far as until where. Eschatology is, is the study of things that, are, that, are, that, that we, don't, we don't know yet. You know, they're, they're still somewhat veiled. And so Jesus is saying here that you will be my martyrs, my witnesses, literally, even to the eschatological, eschatological ends of the physical earth. Okay? And then he continues. And it says, and Jesus, after having brought this word to them, after answering this question, as they were looking at him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took or received or bared him up from their sight, from their eyes. And as he was going, they were existing as looking intensely. So they were intensely focused, fixated, intensely into the oranon, or the sky, the atmosphere, literally just meaning the cover of the earth. We'll talk about this in a minute, but a lot of times this word gets translated as heaven. And he do, behold, look and see, two men stood close beside them, same word for encouraging, stood beside them, in bright clothing, who then also said, men, Galileoi, Galileans, why do you stand looking into the Orano, the sky, why do you stand looking into the sky? Because this Jesus, having been taken up away from you into the Oranon or the sky or the heaven, in this way will come again 
in that same way that you looked upon him today going into the Oranon or the sky, the atmosphere. Again, literally the full covering, uh, the, the covering of the earth or heaven. So here's where we got to start, okay? In the first century Judea, this word we keep referencing, Oranos, the root word, is the word they used for sky or atmosphere literally from the root word to cover or encompass something. So like think great canopy. There's a lot of ancient hymns where we talk about, you know, the praise of God up into the canopies, you know. It's that, it's that covering or, or the skies. It's the place where the stars are lit, okay. When you gaze up into the sky and you just see earth's covering, that's what this word is that Luke is using. Now it's also the same word that they use to place God's infinite presence. Where the place where the divine dwelt infinitely, they use the exact same word as that encompassing sky. It's not perfect, but it was somewhat necessary to have some sort of earthly thing to think about where the, the presence of the divine you know, may be dwelling. This is why I'm telling you this is a mystery. This stuff the next couple of weeks is, is we get into some mystery here. Because think about it. We exist in space and time, okay? We exist in space and time. It's impossible then for us to not use human language of space and time, even when we talk about divine things that exist outside of space and time. Are you tracking a little bit here? Um, we're talking alternate dimensions in a way, but not quite. Like, it, it's, it's kind of, it, 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 it's, it's a mystery. You see, the divine exists outside of time and space, and so now this is the place where we're celebrating the resurrected Christ ascending and now dwelling with the Father and the Spirit. There's one author out there that I trust often when talking about mysteries of the faith and putting them to English words or even just human words that are very hard for us to um, kind of talk about these mysteries, these, th these divine concepts that be go beyond our language comprehension. Uh, Tom Wright, uh, Bishop Tom Wright, we use him quite often. In his magnificent ascension chapter in his book, Following Jesus, he says it this way. This is probably the best I can, we, 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 we're going to get this morning. He says, heaven is God's space. The space that intersects with our space, but then also transcends it. It is, if you like, a further dimension of our world. Not a place that's far removed at one extreme of the world, yet it is all around us. It's glimpsed in a mystery in every Eucharistic act and every other act of human love. We're reminded of it by the beauty of created order, which, in its very transience, points beyond itself to the fuller beauty, which is God's own beauty, and which he intends one day to bring to birth, as we say frequently on earth, as it is in heaven. I'm not sure if that helps any bit. But, but that's, that's just what I'm saying. This stuff is, is, is a mystery. This is, what, this, this is our faith, which is, is, is wrestling with these mysteries that we'll never understand fully on this side of eternity. And, and, and be wary of anyone, any preacher or any, anyone who tells you they can understand these perfectly and will tell you exactly what they are, okay? That, that, that's what happens when we get to the church calendar, we get into Ascension and Pentecost and Trinity. 
And so this is why oranos is the only word Luke uses when he talks about the place that Christ ascends, that place which the divine glory dwells. He's using the sky, the atmosphere, the covering of earth, right? Because the covering of the earth for us, think about this. This appears to go beyond our limited sight. It does. We, do, we actually, we have a lot of technology now. We've got telescopes. We've got, you know, ways in which to look very far than we, than we couldn't. But even think about this. In first century Judea, their stargazers were even more probably perplexed by the stars. And so for them it was the stars were a place you could be everywhere at all times, right? We even have a phrase, the sky is the, the limit. You see what Wright is trying to say here? He's trying to say that the divine presence, okay, the space in which God dwells, the place that we call heaven, is the place in which the eternal Christ has ascended. This is a place that reaches into the skies, touches the stars, goes far beyond what we see, what we can touch, what we know, yet somehow mysteriously surrounds us in every single facet of life. This is now where we're getting to that good news, okay? Because heaven is there. Heaven is a sure hope for the other side of eternity. Yes? Yet, heaven is also here. On earth as it is in heaven. And the realm of the divine pushes the boundaries of what we can comprehend, yet we can see glimpses of heaven whenever we can be still enough to simply notice its presence in our lives. And T. Wright says we see it in the beauty of the created order. He says we see it in generous human love. That's what our whole last series was about, right? And he says in a beautiful, magnificent, tangible way through Christ's, again, mysterious presence in, with, and under the bread and the cup, which is what we do every single Sunday. The eternal Christ that existed before he was in the human body of the man from Nazareth was limited to time and space when he was a physical human on this earth. Jesus of Nazareth could only be one place at a time. And thus he was subjected to the same as humans, the sting of, of pain and brokenness and then eventually death. But now, that same eternal Christ that existed before the man of Jesus, now in the human body of the man from Nazareth, that human body now somehow mysteriously has ascended to the, hev to the heaven, the Arano, the sky, the covering, as Luke records, so now he can be all places at all times in our lives. Amen. Because one of us, okay, one of us, a human, we could call him our brother from the virgin mother. Come on. Come on, that one's good. Our brother from the human mother. He's ascended to the infinite heavenly realms. And now he is praying for us. We have an advocate, an intercessor, a mediator, if you want, praying for us. He's now sitting shiva with us in our pain and our brokenness and also rejoicing with us in our delight. That same body that was wounded, the same body that had the scars on his hands and, and his feet, the same body that had the spear jammed in his side and the whip marks on his back, the same body that shares DNA with his creation, now ascends into what it means to be in God's eternity. This is something that Pastor Kenneth Tanner posted so magnificently last week. 
that Christ Jesus ascends into what it means to be God in eternity. Forever taking with him this embodied self of all the good and the hard memories, the good memories, the hard memories of what it means to be human. He remembers comfort from the injuries of childhood in the arms of his mother. He remembers the ecstatic gladness of meals with friends, the anxiety of facing torture. He experienced that odd mixture of cold and thirst in the desert night, intense heartache at the tomb of his friend, and he experienced what it's like to die himself. All of these experiences, all of this now ascends with Christ in his resurrected body. And now, and this is where we're headed next week. This is where we start heading here. Just as the Christ is no longer confined to time and space, his spirit moves where it may. His spirit moves where it may, weaving in through time and space, weaving in through our lives and into the life of his church. So that way we can, did you pick this up here? We can, this is literally to exist for Christ as martyrs as people willing to sacrifice, as witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the eschatological ends of the physical earth, to the end of the earth, to the end of all things. This is why Jesus, when he was here, he promised his disciples the Spirit, and he said, when this happens, you'll be able to do greater works than me. But how can Christ, I mean, how can we do greater works than be the Savior and Resurrector of creation? He simply was talking greater in numbers, being able to be at more places at more times now that he, the one Jesus, is not just stuck in one physical human spot. We saw his light break through the cloud of glory. This is what Magda read so beautifully this morning. This is a, this is a, um, a sonnet written by um, Malcolm Gate, um, and he actually wrote an entire book of, of sonnets for the church year to be inserted into liturgies as a ancient practice that goes all the way back to like the, 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 the 200, 200 um, AD. And he says, we saw his light break through the cloud of glory. We saw his light break through whilst we were rooted still in time and place as earth became a part of heaven's story and heaven opened to his human face. We saw him go, yet we were not parted. He took us with him to the heart of things, the heart that broke for all the brokenhearted, is now whole and heaven-centered and sings. Sings in the strength that rises out of weakness. Sings through the clouds that veil him from our sight. Now, whilst we ourselves become his cloud of witnesses, this is Pentecost next week, and sing the waning darkness into light. His light in us and ours in him concealed, which all creation waits to see revealed. This is a, this is a, this is a special Sunday. A Sunday that we may not understand all of these mysteries this side of eternity. I, I certainly don't, so don't walk out of here this week feeling like you, you missed something or you didn't get it, because guess what? I don't either. We do our best human attempts at putting human words to it. But Christ, intercessor for us in the place where God dwells, that, I promise you, is good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, ascended Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, as we contemplate these mysteries, 
the mysteries of your ascension, of your spirit descending upon the apostles as flames. As we contemplate your mystery of the Trinity, would you just simply give us eyes in which to go on this journey together? knowing that we're not gonna get everything right, but that we are going to be striving to take this journey along with you and your son. We pray all these things in your name, even as we pray together. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.